we doing? Big Pimpin', we spendin' cheese. Check them out now. Big Pimpin' on BLADs, we doing? Big Pimpin' up in NYC. It's just that Jigger Man, Pimp C, and BUMB. Yo, yo, yo. Hello, and welcome to Game Nexus Podcast, Episode 6. It's been almost a damn year, and we're finally back. We're hitting it up hard, and we're hitting it fast. I'm Inyufe, and joining me as always is Game Master 14. Yep. That, All right, that's so, me. Since we've got uh, almost no damn clue uh, what we're going to talk about, we just figured we're going to uh, get on the mics and uh, bullshit this. Uh, Wasn't there a game called Get game on the Master? Mic? Wasn't there a game called Get on the Mic? Yeah, there was a game called Get on the Mic. It was really bad. It was a rapping game. That, and it was uh, like it was like Da Mic. Yeah, it was Get on Da Mic. Yeah, and I remember some uh, black dude bought two copies of it when I used to work at GameStop, and I found it really hilarious. That's funny. Not trying to stereotype or anything, but uh, I don't know. The game just looked really, really bad. Now all the black kids don't want to listen to this podcast anymore. Oh, man, so now we're down to like three listeners. No, I think it's more like uh, a half a listener because your nephew isn't listening to this anymore because he doesn't like gaming. Oh yeah, that's right. My yeah, yeah, that's right. My nephew's so hardcore into programming because he knows how awesome programming is. Because you know what? Uh, programming is the most fucking boring thing on the face of the earth. Yeah, you just type lines of limitless code with like little to no result, really. And then if you make one tiny little mistake, you have to debug all the pages and pages of code you just typed to make find that one little number minus sign equals sign that's wrong. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. The only thing I learned from freaking uh, programming class is how to make an infinite loop that would crash someone's computer. That stuff is fun as hell. Yeah, that's the only thing that was fun. And that's all I did. I used to... uh I, I what I hated at the uh, school computers is every time you'd shut down the computer, it would uh, wipe anything you save to it. So I tried to save this infinite loop I made and make it run on startup. So whenever somebody would start up the computer, it would automatically crash. But my plans were foiled by the damn uh, school network administrator. Want to talk briefly about the games we're currently playing? <sighs> yeah, I guess. Uh, since uh, this kind of is a gaming podcast. Uh, I got Cold Decept Saga for the 360 on Monday uh, when the Amazon deal of the day. It was 25 bucks. Uh, I thought, you know, it was a pretty good price. It seemed like a pretty good game. But little be known, it has the cheapest fucking AI ever seen. Basically, you can be winning a game the whole entire way, and then, bam, the computer will shove it right in your ass, and you'll fucking be done for in, like, the course of two minutes after you've been winning for about 20. You told me the other night uses the good classic rubber band AI where, like, you're winning, and then the computer basically doubles its efforts to beat you. Yeah, I can't stand it. It's just so damn annoying. It, like, I, uh, PM'd, uh, a guy named Shipwreck who's really big into, uh, Coldacept. Uh, he's a moderator at the, uh, Cheap-Ass Gamer Forums, and I asked him, I was like, how the hell do you beat this? And he was like, it's mostly just luck. Uh, there really is no skill involved. <laughs> That's it's awesome. Most, most, most of the time. But for the uh, uninformed, Coldacept Saga is like Magic the Gathering meets Yu-Gi-Oh meets Monopoly. Um, you have these cards you lay down on spaces uh, that have different attributes, and each space is worth a certain amount of magic points, and you have to accumulate a certain amount of magic points before you can 
win. Um, I mean, you have to use magic to level up the spaces to get more magic points. So uh, it's fun. The gameplay mechanics is is fun, like the core game. But the single player is so jank and broken and stupid. Uh, it's not even worth anymore. Like I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be done with the game after playing it for about two hours. Then you're gonna go sell to EB for like twenty five cents. Yeah, I think so. Actually, I think I was going to trade it in for, like, a copy of, like, Madden 2002. Also, I think you were talking about, like, plans to destroy it horribly. Yeah, uh, I really wanted to light it on fire and then take a picture of it. Because I thought that would be pretty awesome, because it seems like a better use of uh, my time than trying to play that damn game again. I mean, okay. Maybe if Namco decides, hey, let's make a game with not broken-ass AI or rubber band AI then uh, I might be interested in playing it. But until they fucking fix that rubber band AI, I am not touching that damn game once again. What else have you been playing? Um, recently I booted up uh, Lost Odyssey for the 360, which is Mistwalker's second uh, role-playing game on the 360. And so far I'm absolutely loving it. I'm about six hours in, and I think it's fantastic. The uh, The characters are really likable, um, the Thousand Years of Dreams really kind of fleshes out how Kaim, uh, came to be and why his personality is like the way he is, and I find it really interesting to read some of the, uh, backstories and things that's happened to his life and things that have happened to him, but basically, the game is, I really like it, um, the only thing I really kind of notice that's kind of weird is some of the animations seem a little, uh, weird, like it seems like they are kind of using animations from last generation where the polygons didn't have that many points of articulation because it seems like they only move in, the models only move in a couple of places but maybe that's just me uh, uh, maybe I'm just noticing something weird but that's what it seems like to me but it really it's not a big enough deal to me to actually give a shit because I still think Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy 7 it's one of the best role-playing games ever, and those guys move like they're uh, rock'em sock'em robots. A lot of people might want to note that the uh, voice actor who voices Kaim is the same one who voiced Bosch in uh, Final Fantasy XII. Yeah, the English voices, surprisingly, are very well done. Uh, I th they give the characters uh, a feel to them. They're not stale. It doesn't come across as awkward. And uh, Jansen provides much-needed comic relief to keep the story from getting so overly serious about itself. And uh, I'm so far, I'm absolutely enjoying it. It's probably the best RPG I've played since uh, Persona 3, and definitely the best uh, RPG to come out this generation so far. Yeah, I'm currently on disc 2 of that game, and uh, I really have to get back to it soon. Did you I'm like what you played of it? Yeah, I've loved what I've played with it. Yeah, uh, I feel it's better than uh, Blue Dragon. I put about four or five hours in a Blue Dragon, and while it's good, it's really basic in its approach. Uh, the characters just aren't very fleshed out, and it kind of seems like uh, a rejected Dragon Ball uh, script for the storyline. And if you listen to the boss battle music for so long, you're guaranteed to go insane, because it will make you want to shoot kittens. Um... It's sung by uh, the guy who used to be the lead singer of Deep Purple, who honestly sounds like he is drunk when he tries to sing this, and it's so bad. 
and I fought the first boss for about 20 minutes in that game, and I listened to that song for about 20 minutes, and I went on a murderous rampage because my brain had just turned into shit and mush. It's so horrendously bad that we are going to make you listen to it before the beginning of this podcast. I thought we agreed on Big Pimpin'. Big Pimpin' spread and cheddar cheese? <laughs> yeah, especially spreading cheddar cheese, considering it's one of the hardest cheeses around. But you know what? I know how you can spread cheddar cheese. How? Put that shit in the microwave. Cheddar cheese melts horribly. Yeah, but... That's s- why, like, you always see on those uh, Velveeta commercials, are like, cheddar's, like, not good to melt with your thing, and you want to use Velveeta because it makes, it, like, the cheese actually melt, but the cheddar just makes, like, it, uh chunky melted chunks yeah but still uh, I think you could spread it easier if it was put in the microwave than if you tried to uh, basically just spread it uh, being solid because there's no way you could spread it unless you had spreadable cheddar cheese but then spreadable cheddar cheese isn't really cheddar cheese it's a mix of American and cheddar so it's kind of false advertising we should probably sue because you playing we, anything else right now? Um, actually, I've been playing um, Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions on PSP, which is the remake of Final Fantasy Tactics for the PS1, and it's it's the same game. Um, cut new added cutscenes are great. Uh, they really add depth to the story. The uh, translation is redone. Uh, the story makes sense. It doesn't really coherent incoherent, uh, babbling piece of shit, and so far, I love the game. I love it as much as when I played it, uh, when it first came out ten years ago. It's good to hear. You been playing anything else, Game Master? Well, uh, I really haven't been playing a ton of games recently. A lot of people on YouTube will know that I was playing a bit of, uh, Dead or Alive 3, because I'd recently posted a video where I switched Kasume and Ayane's move sets. I also made new custom skins for them based on my uh, old Dark Bakai series, which was actually based on an episode of Xena Warrior Princess called Girls Just Want to Have Fun from Season 2, where there were these vampire Bakai girls. I just made it a little darker and uh, eviler looking, and uh, yeah, I made new skins for that, and uh, most recently I've done what I've called my MAME reviews, which... For people who don't know what MAME is, it's the multiple arcade machine emulator that has over 6,000 ROM sets at this point, which emulates a ton of arcade systems, and I figured, since I have this full ROM set, why not basically put quick reviews of MAME games on YouTube, basically telling people, should you try this game, should you not try this game, and um, some people have been liking my work, some people don't like my work, but either way... I think it's just a fun thing to do, and they're quick to make. So, uh, on the YouTube and the uh, MAME reviews, have you been? Is there any criteria you've been using to select which games you're going to review, or you kind of just close your eyes and point and pick that one? Well, the only game I really like, per se, chose was uh, Vicious Circle, which is the unreleased Atari arcade game on their Kojak hardware, which was, of course, based on the Atari Jaguar. The only reason I wanted to review that is just to show how much it's like a Killer Instinct clone, plus it was never released, so many people don't know about it. And basically with that one, I gave the whole, uh, this game is only really worth playing if, uh, 
you really, really, really like fighting games, uh, otherwise just play a different fighting game or even play Killer Instinct for that matter. But uh, the main criteria I usually use to choose which main games I review is I just quickly flip through the thing randomly clicking on it. If the screenshot looks semi-interesting, I'll double-click on it and like, play it for like five minutes if I... If I either A, like it, or B, find, like, it'd be something interesting people would want to look at, then I'll say, hey, uh, this would probably be good for a main review. Like, recently I had done a game called Spin Master Miracle Adventure on the Neo Geo. Of course, most people see the Neo Geo and think, nah, it's a fighting game system, there's nothing else on there. Maybe Metal Slug, but that's all. But this was a game made by Data East, where your character starts out killing people with a yo-yo, and it eventually evolves into all kinds of things he throws, like... Ninja stars and boxing gloves and all kinds of things. Fun game. Sounds pretty good. I might actually start making video reviews, although I don't know how I'm going to capture anything from my systems to my PC, although I recently bought a new uh, LCD TV, and I'm thinking about moving my desktop over to my uh, TV and using that as a monitor. Uh, and I think maybe it would be easier to run a capture card through my PC if it was closer to my systems on my TV. Uh, I might start doing that. I might make little video reviews saying how much I hate something and how I'd rather swallow barbed wire and pull it out of my asshole than play some games. Um, but That sounds painful. Yeah, I kind of thought so too. So, uh, so far... Uh, I don't know. Are there any games you're excited for that are coming out soon? Well, except for the obvious Grand Theft Auto 4, and of course then there's Ninja Gaiden 2, and eventually Soul Calibur 4. That's just about it for now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know and if you saw And of course that, any Persona the, uh, th- that, that Persona 3 Fez that you're talking about, I might give a look. That, yes, that... Uh, if you like Japanese role-playing games, and you haven't played... Uh, Persona 3, uh, Fez is coming out next week for $30, and it's an absolutely fucking fantastic value. It's definitely worth owning, and it's something that, if you like RPGs, you just shouldn't miss out on, because it's one of the best to come out on the PlayStation 2. Um, it's definitely the easiest, uh, uh, Shin Megami Tensei game, because Nocturne and Digital Devil Saga will kick your ass if you're not paying attention to what you're doing. Uh, Persona's a little more forgiving, although it's not exactly an RPG that will hold your hand and be very easy. Uh, so, uh, Fez, definitely, if you haven't looked at it, pick it up and give it a go. I know I'm getting it, even though I have my copy of Persona 3, because I want the epilogue content. Uh, that'll probably be the next game I go through once I finish Lost Odyssey. Uh, I also picked up uh, Silent Hill Origins for the PS2 a couple weeks ago, so I think I'm going to give that a, a playthrough, and probably after that I'll probably go through the other Silent Hill games. Uh, I still need to track down a copy of Silent Hill 1 for the PS1, although I've kind of been hoping that they would eventually remake that since they like to remake every game now. Uh, I'm surprised they haven't gotten around to remaking Silent Hill 1, considering uh, the hype that Silent Hill 5 is going to be receiving, and that they're making a second Silent Hill movie. Uh, I'm surprised that no one has gotten around to 
wanting to make a Silent Hill remake. Uh, I see it. They could do it on the PSP like they did it on Origins. I think that would be a good fit for the game, uh, personally. Speaking of survival horror games, I really got to play the uh, Resident Evil series. I have uh, Zero and uh, Remake on uh, GameCube, Resident Evil DualShock Director's Cut on PlayStation, Resident Evil 2, 3, and Code Veronica on Dreamcast, so i got to start playing those pretty soon. Yeah, um, personally, I think out of the traditional Resident Evil games, either Code Veronica or the remake on GameCube are the best. Uh, 4, I'd say, is a lot better, but 4 is a completely different type of game. It's more not even really survival horror. It's more like action horror. Um, you never really feel like, tense and suspense, like you're going to die from something. You don't really have any jumps and chills like you do from uh, the other Resident Evil games, and you don't have limited saves like you do in the other ones. Uh, I know some people hate tank controls, but uh, if you can get past that, then the older Resident Evil games definitely give a better scare factor than the Resident Evil 4 does. Uh, Resident Evil 4, of course, is a fantastic game and no slight against it, but it's just not quite as scary as the tank controls, ribbon saving, uh, ammo conserving, block box, I mean, drop box, and herb using. Resident Evils, uh, although it is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, yeah, one thing I just wanted to mention that I had recently started playing a little bit was uh, Ark the Lad, which was part of the Ark the Lad collection premium package from Work Designs. Uh, yeah, I know the strategy RPGs. Yeah, the original game is only about a 10-hour game, so I figured, hey, why not play this and then move on to something else. I played it for a little while, and really, it's a, it's a pretty fun game, considering it's from, like, 1995, because I think it was Sega... Why did I say Sega? I think it was Sony that had actually blocked um, work designs from translating this for, like, such a while, and then eventually they just gave in, and uh, they made it as a collection, which was even nicer, because you don't have to buy one game, wait a few years, buy the next game... This way, you got them all in one, and plus the uh, save data will actually convert between games, so stuff that you did in the first game will actually affect the second and the third game, of course. Uh, I, lo I love when games do stuff like that, when the save data carries over and affects the other games that you have. Like, I really like a game to... Theoretically, if I ever made a game, it would be multi-part series, and I'd make multiple different branching paths... In the first game, depending on what you did in the first game, it would influence what happened in the second and third games of the series. And that way there could be completely, totally different outcomes in a completely different game, depending on how you play it. So, uh, I honestly think that's an awesome idea, and I wish someone would make that game. But, uh, since I lack in the coding skills... Uh, I probably won't be making that game anytime soon. I'll probably just be bitching that no one has made that game yet. Just like, Sega had uh, actually tried that on uh, Shenmue on Dreamcast, but of course, as we all know, the Shenmue 2 on Dreamcast only came out in Europe and the Japan. A USA version was never made, but if you had the European version of Shenmue 1 and you played through it, 
Then you play Chenmu 2, like all the items and stuff you collected from the first game, and I think a few other things would actually carry over. Yeah, I think that that would be pretty awesome. Um, like, if more games did that, I, I really wish more games would do that, where uh, you have a save file from a previous game, and it carries over, and all your new stuff works in that game. Uh, the only couple games I know, I know Fire Emblem for Wii, if you have a GameCube save file, uh, you get uh, a couple of additional things, your, a couple of your units are stronger, you get a couple additional items, you get some more money. Uh, you have all your support conversations from the GameCube version, and it makes those characters' supports stronger. It makes the game a little bit easier, but what it does is it defaults the game to the hard setting, and you can't go any easier if you load your GameCube save file. And considering that Fire Emblem for Wii is probably the hardest Fire Emblem they've ever made, uh, it's not exactly easy. And considering the GameCube Fire Emblem was the easiest Fire Emblem they ever made, uh, it just becomes a major, major change of pace. And I feel sorry for the people who would don't know how to play Fire Emblem and load in their GameCube save file and are awakened to this massive challenge where they'll die on the third mission. Considering I wonder if Tales really... of Symphonia 2 will have any functionality like that. I hope so, but I don't know if I still have my save from that. I played the GameCube game when it first came out, and it's been a while. I don't even know if I still have that save file or where that GameCube memory card might be. Hmm. The only thing I'm worried about Symphonia 2 is it's not made by the same team who made Symphonia. Oh, that's lame. The team that made Symphonia is making Tales of Vesperia for 360. And the team who made Tales of Legendia are making the Tales of Symphonia 2 game. Uh, I'm hoping for the best. I'm trying to remain optimistic because I love Tales games. But I played Legendia, and Legendia is nowhere as good as Abyss or Symphonia. So I'm hoping maybe they can rekindle some of the same magic that Symphonia had. Uh, Does the 361 have a uh, possible USA release? The 361 is confirmed for USA release this year. Oh, that's awesome. It's using the same engine that Eternal Sonata used. So it's going to look really awesome. Yeah, Eternal Sonata, graphically and sound-wise, was just an awesome game in my opinion. Yeah. That's definitely worth playing. Yeah, Eternal Sonata is probably... The, yeah, it is a very awesome game, although uh, some of the characters kind of grated on me a little bit. Uh, a couple parts where I had, like, these monsters are supposed to be really ferocious, but then they look kind of cutesy and cuddly, like you'd want to cuddle with them more than hit them with <laughs> a knife. So, but that was my only real complaint about Eternal Sonata, otherwise I thought it was a great game. Although it was yeah, eventually, the, it was a little on the short side if you didn't do that last dungeon right before the final boss. Oh, Unison was awesome. That that dungeon actually made the game worth playing, in my opinion. Yeah, I I didn't beat it because I had I had actually rented the game from GameFly, and I sent it back, so I didn't want to uh, go through Mysterious Unison. Was that the name of the place? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And Res... Well, I can't get that. That would be a spoiler. Um, but I thought that was a great game regardless. Uh, it Eventually, did some... I want to get through my uh, Encore playthrough on that. Yeah. Uh, does, that, does that have one of those carryover play th- uh, continue files where you can do a new game plus? 
Yeah, you. I think you keep your uh, party levels. You know how you got your party levels and you can do the harmony chains and everything? Yes. You actually keep that in the second game, and I think a few other things. I honestly forget how far it goes, but uh, I don't think I really got too far in my uh, Encore playthrough, but I figure eventually when I figure finish like Lost Odyssey, maybe a few of the Resident Evils, Ark the Lad, then maybe I'll go back to that. Yeah, I've got a, right now I've got a huge backlog of games, and considering that uh, a whole bunch of awesome games are coming out soon, I don't know when I'm going to get to them. Uh, I think this summer because I'm only taking I'm taking some easy classes and I'll be working part time, so I'll have like four four days off a week. So I hope that I can get some uh, games played and get them in. I think the biggest game I'm excited for is either Grand Theft Auto or Metal Gear at the moment. Like my hype for those is just through the roof. Especially since I listened to the uh latest one of yours podcast and Shane talked about how Konami flew them out to their secret headquarters in Osaka and where they own this hotel and they let them stay there for a week and they all played through Metal Gear in an entire week because the game's basically finished and they want to fine-tune it and make sure that there was no glaring bugs or difficulty issues. And basically he says that we know absolutely nothing about the game so far. Uh, nothing. That what we've seen in the trailers, you think it might be a spoiler, but there is so much they have kept secret and hidden that it's it's going to be awesome because it's the last Metal Gear game that they're going to make or at least the last one with Solid Snake in it. So they might have, you know, Metal Gear Solid side story to adventures of riding in a gay bar or something. But hopefully Metal Gear Solid 4 will be awesome, but all signs point to yes on that. Or how about uh, Metal Gear Choaniki, Naked Raiden's Adventure? Oh, God. I... I don't know. Like, I don't know what Kojima was thinking there. Maybe he just wanted to poke fun at gamers, because he's got a really weird sense of humor and stuff. I don't know if you saw the video where uh, on April Fool's Day for Metal Gear Solid 4, when he put out new gameplay footage, he dressed Snake up in uh, Altair's clothes from Assassin's Creed, and he looked like... And he was running around Assassin's Creed stuff doing a whole bunch of Metal Gear stuff. Um, it was pretty funny. He also did that for Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, he dressed Snake up in Sam Fisher's outfit, which was. Oh like, yeah, I saw the uh, I saw the Assassin's Creed uh, Metal Gear Solid stuff. I thought it was pretty funny. I was thinking to myself, this really looks too real to be a joke. But then again, if the company who made it did this, it could easily be a joke. Yeah, but I I, I don't know. I think uh, those games are far enough apart where. Ubisoft said, you know what, they're not going to hurt the sales of Assassin's Creed, it's not going to hurt the sales of Metal Gear if we do this or something. Speaking of April Fool's jokes, did you see the one on IGN? The Legend of Zelda trailer? Yeah, I thought it looked really awesome for a video game movie trailer, and of course I thought it was real. Yeah, uh, I listened to the podcast they had when they talked to the guy who made the trailer. It said it took them over a year to make that trailer. Yeah, there's a like a five or six minute behind the scenes segment on One Up if you check that out. Yeah. Why did I say One Up? IGN. If you check that out, and uh, it actually shows how they made several of the things from the 
trailer and like how long all the makeup and everything takes, it really was involved for a joke. Yeah, it was quite involved. It probably cost IGN a pretty penny, but if you've been to IGN lately, you know they get plenty of money for advertisers where you can't see the text because there's so many damn ads all over the screen. That's probably the yeah, it is pretty crazy. The biggest reason why I don't go to IGN very much is because I can't stand to look at those ads because ad blocker does not kill those ads. Well, speaking of surprising things, did you see uh, Ben Heckendorn's PlayStation 3 laptop? Yes, I find it quite awesome. I wish I could have a PlayStation 3 laptop and and use it and take it to school and uh, type on it, and then when I don't want to teach it bullshit, I can just put it in a game. Yeah, the uh, PlayStation 3 laptop actually uses an original 60-gig drive with the full backwards compatibility, and it uh, weighs about 16 pounds. You can find more info on that on uh, benheck.com and uh, Engadget. Yeah, I think it looked really awesome, although I can't imagine trying to uh, lug 17-pound laptop around with me. If you had a good backpack, it would probably be okay. Yeah. Um, I guess you yeah, didn't have All of Ben's stuff ends up really nice. But, uh... Speaking of, uh... April Fool's... Did you see, uh, Destructoid, what they did for April Fool's? No, I didn't see that. What was it? They called it, uh, Foxtoid.com. And they put all these, like, really funny things up against video games that look like Fox News said... There was one that said Fox News pays people to lie about video games hurting them or something. Huh. There was some really funny stuff because we all know that Fox News is the biggest piece of shit news outlet there ever is. And uh, just to throw this out there, I think, uh, I don't know, I don't know about those Star Wars characters in Sol, Sol Calibur 4. Did you see that new video with those guys fighting? Yeah, I've seen all the Soul Calibur videos, and personally, I still think it's awesome, and I just can't wait for Soul Calibur 4. I just... I like I like Star Wars, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against Star Wars, but... It just seems really out of place. Like, I honestly think that the guys in Soul Calibur 2 made more sense than... Because at least they were, like, medieval fantasy, except for Heihachi. Well, like... They all had things that were kind of fit in the Soul Calibur universe a little bit, but... Spawn's not medieval. <laughs> yeah, but at least he uses an axe, and it makes more sense than a lightsaber. I figure it's one of those things that's a little extra. Most of the hardcore players won't won't use it, just like with Soul Calibur 2. And um, it's still going to be a great game, regardless. I just hope it's better than 3, because 3 had problems, because... There wasn't an arcade release before the game, and they didn't play test it enough. And there were some really big exploits you could do with uh, Setska and with Cassandra, where basically you could juggle someone till they died without even trying very hard to do it. Of course, the good thing about this being on the next gen consoles is. With the uh, easy content updates from Xbox Live and uh, whatever PlayStation uses, it'll uh, no one will really have a problem with like bad balancing because they could just easily fix it on the spot. Yeah, let's just hope that they support it, and let's just hope they don't uh, try to rape for downloadable content that's already on the disc. Since Namco has tried to do that before with other games like Ace Combat, where normally planes that are already on the disc, they are charging you like 2 and $3 a piece to unlock. Which, honestly, to pay for something that's locked on a disc 
I think is one of the stupidest ideas ever, and whoever thought of that idea should just be drawn and quartered on the spot. Can they be unlocked by playing the game, no. or is it only Only DLC to pay for it. You can unlock it. Because I know Eternal Sonata had something where you can unlock all the piano music, but if you played the game through, it would eventually be unlocked, but it's you pay them like, what is it, like 100, 180 Microsoft points if you just don't feel like playing the game through to get it. Yeah, uh, it's not that way in uh, Katamari or... Ace Combat. Uh, they both have DLC that's locked on the disc, and the only way you can unlock it is to pay for it. Those bastards. Yeah, so I'm really hoping they're not going to be like, look at all these weapons. Uh, they're locked, and the only way you can unlock them is to pay for them, because that would really, really get under my skin and piss me off. Hopefully they won't do that. If they do do that, everyone will probably boycott them and end up, uh... Yeah, maybe I'm, they'll just cave in. Yeah. I'm hoping for the best, but I really hope the Star Wars characters can't be used in ranked online matches. Maybe there'll be an option to turn off them. That would that would be nice cuz honestly it just seems like it's going to throw the balance way off. Because they both have force powers and can push people around and stuff. Which is kind of like putting up a Hadouken into Soul Calibur. You said Hadouken. Hadouken. Oh, you can. Do you want to listen to more of this podcast? Sure, you can. <laughs> so, besides from that, I don't know if you saw any of the Grand Theft Auto 4 multiplayer details that have come out the past week. No, I honestly have not. What about it? Uh, it looks insanely awesome. Basically, everything that made Crackdown pretty cool with the multiplayer co-op, imagine doing that with 16 other people. Um, there's a, there's some, the, uh, there's a regular death match, which is kind of boring. And there's one called, um, uh, Cops and Robbers, or Crooks and Thieves, or something like that. I can't remember the name of it. But basically, you get, it's co-op missions where you get four people and you have these certain objectives, and you can tackle them any way you want, and you can do them any way you want, but you have to keep the cops off of you, and you basically have to work as a team to get it all done, and you can go anywhere and do it any way you want to, and it sounds really awesome, but it's all about earning the money, and when you rob stuff with your teammates, if you shoot your teammate and kill him and get away, you can take his money and keep going. But you have you to. You do realize just a little while ago you said you can do them. What'd you say? You do realize just a little while ago you said you can do them. Oh, whatever. Just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> uh, you can basically shoot uh, your teammates, take their money, because money's a big important thing in the online multiplayer. Because you have your character that you create. You don't just use a standard, uh, random, generic character. You create them and you get money and you can un uh, unlock more stuff and buy more stuff to customize your character or buy weapons or buy whatever you want. And there can just you seems unlock like hot so coffee? many awesome modes. It, I think the multiplayer is going to surprise a lot of people. It just sounds like so much fun. And I think Grand Theft Auto 4 is going to be a big, big leap forward for open world games. Plus the graphics are a hell of a lot better and I think... Using the old 
graphics engine on five freaking games just really was way too much, in my opinion. Yeah, by the time they got to San Andreas, it looked so incredibly bad on PlayStation 2. But if you played it on PC, you could turn up the anti-aliasing and the antroscopic filtering, so it looked decent. You could play it with mouse aiming, since you didn't have the retardedly stupid hold L1 to lock on and then just press R1 and hope you hit the guy. The only system I really thought that the old engine really looked impressive on, well, of course, besides uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 when it first came out, was uh, the PSP. Seeing the uh, Grand Theft Auto engine, like, fully running on the PSP without really much, like, uh, tuning down the graphics for the handheld was really nice, in my opinion. Yeah, I, s- I still think Grand Theft Auto 4, uh, I'm glad they fixed the targeting and the way you f- have firefights and how there's a cover system now and basically how you can actually aim now instead of just auto-locking onto everything. And the hope the gunplay isn't going to be shit and there's actually now, when you fight hand-to-hand, there's kind of a combo system to how that works instead of just being the retardedly stupid hand-to-hand combat that they used to be in Grand Theft Auto. Don't ask me why, but when you said the cover system, I just imagined uh, the Grand Theft Auto guy standing there behind cover, and then you see Marcus and uh, and what's what's his name, Dom, Dom, and then Dom's like, "Wretches, look and, at all that they... juice." <laughs> yeah, that'd be so funny if all of a sudden Marcus and Dom were just there. That'd just be so cool. I don't know. I honestly think the game is going to uh, change the way we look at open world games, and I think. Every open world game that is going to come out is going to have to look at GTA and think, alright, how are we not going to get destroyed by this game, basically? How are we going to be able to successfully emulate what Grand Theft Auto does? Because every open world game that has kind of come out is basically ripped off what Grand Theft Auto has done and tried to make it its own success but none of the games really pull off what Grand Theft Auto does right, right, if you kind of get what I mean. Yeah, the the True Crime series was really never anything that amazing, in my opinion. No, I think the best Grand Theft Auto clone was Saints Row for the 360, even though it was kind of white, trashy, ghetto-y, really racial stereotype and it was alright, but... Uh, it still wasn't a Grand Theft Auto, but it was much better than the True Crimes or the Driver 3 game that came out. And Don't even get me started on Driver 3. Oh, start. Start on Driver 3. Yeah, because, of course, one, one thing that... The worst thing about that game is how, how uh, gay your guy looked when he jumped. I'm not using gay as a racial slur. It's just, it's just like, he's this really tough-looking guy. Then he jumps like he's skipping or something. And I'm thinking to myself... He jumps like two feet into the air, like you know where where like most games they jump much higher. And then like um, the only thing that was cool about the game is you could actually swim. You could swim in the water. You can swim in Grand Theft Auto Four now. That's good. That's you don't very just good. go in the water and drown. That was the dumbest mechanic ever made in any game in the freaking world. Yeah. It's like, like you're gonna I be badass. You're gonna drive your car. If you, you go over ramps. Yeah. Then you fall in the water, it's like, oh no, you're dead. Yeah, I hate games where it's like, if you fall in water, you die. Is it like, is my guy made out of cement? Why the fuck can he not swim? Like, 
I hate Psychonauts because if you fall in the water and it's deep, you will drown. Really? Yeah. That's horrible. But although Psychonauts is quite awesome and the humor and the wit in that game is unmatched because we all know Tim Schafer is a legend and anything Tim Schafer does basically turns to gold. And his next game called Brutal Legend actually looks really, really awesome. And What's that going to be on? It's 360 PS3. And I hear cool. uh, you can actually play the game with the Guitar Hero controller. Why? Uh, because I don't know if you've heard of Brutal Legend, but it's his game where you basically this guy who's a roadie who gets trans... Uh, he basically gets warped into this crazy magical world where he has to use music to defeat all the enemies and stuff. And basically uh -huh. have a guitar that's an axe on one side and a guitar on the other side. And you hit him with the axe, and then like to finish him off you have to play like a crazy solo. That's all I've seen in the game so far, but knowing Tim Schafer, it's going to be awesome, because I don't know if you ever played any Tim Schafer's games, but the dude has a crazy awesome imagination. Yeah, that does sound pretty cool. Did you ever play uh, Grim Fandango? Not really. I've seen some like gameplay footage of it, but I've never actually played it per se. You really need to... I can't... I don't know if it's on GameTap or if it's anywhere, but uh, I think they might have a, like an old LucasArts adventure game collection. If you can find that, definitely get it, because it is probably the best point-and-click adventure game I have ever played. And I, I'm really not a big fan of point-and-click adventure games, because it always seems a little abstract to me why I click on everything in the world, and the two most obscure things go together and work. Like, I'm supposed to open this door by using the end of this shoe, huh. and shit like that. But, but the game... It's humor and it's wit and it's story. It's timeless and it's so good. And no one really ever played it. Well, saying they didn't play it is not really accurate. No one really remembers it because everyone now is really obsessed with, you know, shooting games and uh, sports games, it seems like. It seems like the old, the games that focus more on story and character development and uh, gameplay aspects and trying to do new stuff seem to get overlooked by like giant thing giant games where it's just a military shooter where you shoot shit and it's the same thing over and over again but uh, honestly I think something we need in the game industry is more original IP because it seems nowadays that Publishers just want to rehash the same shit they've been making for the past, you know, ten years. And hopefully that it'll just sell in the name alone. Well, one thing I wanted to mention in this uh, podcast, I'm sure he really needs no more press than he already has, because the thing's kind of exploded crazily since he did his two reviews on YouTube, was uh, Zero Punctuation with uh, Yahtzee Croshaw. Oh, that, that man... I don't know how he does it, but he constantly stays funny with every one of his reviews, and he's just genius. It's so freaking hilarious, and he's always normally spot-on right about every game he plays. 
Yeah, I, I always find them pretty funny with his reviews. I just like when he... A lot of the points he made about Fable were really good in like one of his original reviews, which is currently on YouTube under the... Um, I think he calls it like a fully ramblematic review. That's before he actually coined the term zero punctuation. Yeah, but um, wasn't that? Didn't he uh, coin zero punctuation when he was hired by the Escapist? Yeah, uh, I and uh, I don't know if you watched his latest one with uh, No More Heroes. I've watched every one multiple times, in fact. Uh, but where he makes a point about how No More Heroes gives up gameplay to try to make artistic and a social critique on the gaming industry. And how he says, don't fucking do that because it's stupid. It makes a game not fun to play. But he's spot on right because No More Heroes is a great game. But in certain spots, yeah, it gives up gameplay to try to make fun of the game industry. Where you can make fun of the game industry and the shit how it is now. But don't give up gameplay to do it. It's it's the dumbest design idea ever. That sounds like, uh, you ever hear that game, The Bard's Tale? Yes. There would be often times where he'll actually just be making fun of what he's doing, and you're thinking, if he's not taking the game that he's in seriously, how should I? Yeah, I mean, he kind of takes things serious, like the guy in No More Heroes takes things seriously, but he doesn't take it to a point where it becomes so serious, like, hold on, I'm trying to think of the point I'm trying to make here. He takes things seriously, but he doesn't take it so seriously it drowns itself. He takes things seriously where, where it's kind of tongue-in-cheek at the same time. Where he still tends to make fun of the way games are and the way a lot of things are. Like, I think the open-world thing in No More Heroes, where it's kind of boring to do the open-world stuff, is his critique on saying, you know what, these open-world games are hugely open, but they're kind of empty and they don't really have anything to do in them, which... Kinda every game that's not Grand Theft Auto is that way. Not really. Well, I can't really think of open world game. Well, if you've played Grand, if you played No More Heroes, you could see what he's trying to get at. Where the only things you can really do in the open world are these mini games, or you can go on assassination hunts, and that's kind of about it. Well, I always find found the cool how in like uh, the Elder Scrolls games. You know, because they're pretty much open world. Yeah, but I think he's going like... for more like the open world action game kind of things. I don't think he's going for like open world RPGs because then the metaphor okay. doesn't really apply per se. Yeah, but what I want to say about like Morrowind and Oblivion is you could be just be adventuring in like some random place and you'd totally find like a quest that's like not even like one of the main quests, just like some sort sort of side quest. You'll just find a cave or something where. There's, like, a bunch of bandits, and nobody ever asks you about these bandits, like, go kill the bandits. It's just a bunch of bad guys who just randomly attack you, and you just have to kill them, and it's fun because they have cool stuff as well. Yeah, uh, personally, I... I don't know, I never really got into the Oblivion and Morrowind things. Uh, I know they're good games and they're quality games, but it's just not my, my cup of tea. Like, uh... I, I prefer more uh, more linear games. I know that sounds bad, but... Uh, it sounds really bad and horribly, terrifically bad. Yeah, but it's hard for me to get interested in, in a character that I never really see. Uh, well, the simple fact is about those games is the character is you. You're not supposed... There's not supposed to be some sort of 
some sort of idolic character that you're supposed to latch onto, like a Cloud Strife or a uh, or Squall or something like that. It's just supposed to be like you're the character. Here's a world. There's all kinds of stuff for you to do here. Go ahead and do it. You could be a badass. You can kill everyone. You could be the good guy that everyone praises. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the part of me where I like more scripted things, per se, in RPGs, more than just being completely do whatever you want. Uh, but that's just my personal taste. There's nothing wrong with those, the uh, Oblivion or Morrowind games, per se. It's just that it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> you said cup of, tea. cup of tea. That's like something that like senior citizens say. You know what? Maybe I am a senior citizen. How do you know? I know you're not a senior citizen. I've seen you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I saw you at the bus stop once. Oh, my God. I you swear to God, that wasn't my hooker. And she was over 18. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't really questioning if she was your hooker or not. I figured she was your girlfriend, but uh, then again, I thought your girlfriend would just dress a little better than that. Yeah, well, sometimes my girlfriend has questionable wardrobe accessories. See, now we totally alienated any girl who would actually be your girlfriend. Oh, God. And your girlfriend. She's yeah. going to, like, call you, like, after this gets put online and just, like, break up with you right then. Because she really, uh, listens to my podcasts. I'm going to send her an email and say, Hey, Inufe wants you to listen to this podcast. And she'd be like, Who the hell is Inufe? Good luck if she, uh, could, uh, actually, uh, knew what a podcast was. Or, uh, yeah. Well, let's not talk about my girlfriend's, uh, inept technological skills. I'd send her a whole thing explaining podcasts. <laughs> it's alright, because she's having trouble beating Kingdom Hearts 1 on easy, and that game kind of plays itself on easy. My problem with that game is, uh, I just kind of lost interest, and I really haven't been back to it for ages now. I think the last time I played it was over a year ago. I finished 1, I finished 2, I finished Chain of Memories, which was the GBA game. I like it, but... I think, uh... Tetsuya Nomura, who's the character designer for most of Square's games, needs to get away from making men who look like girls. <laughs> but I think he got away, he's getting away from that now with uh, a DS game called The World Ends With You, which looks really awesome, and it's, it's set in modern day Tokyo, and basically it uses both screens when you fight, and when you fight, you have to use both the stylus and the face buttons at the same time to fight. Because the stylus controls the bottom screen fighting and the face buttons control the top screen fighting. And it has a really unique art style. and It looks really awesome. The only reason I'm not going to buy it is because I refuse to pay $40 for a DS game because I think it's absolutely stupid. Why? $40 for... I can buy a PC game brand new for $40. And so you think that PC games are better than the DS games? Well, considering that I really don't play many handheld games, it's hard for me to justify spending $40 on a game. I'll probably wait till it's down to $30, because $30 is the most I'll spend on a handheld game, except for Crisis Core I did pay $40 for, but that's just because I'm a crazed Final Fantasy Seven. Hey, you nine. just you just pwned yourself saying that. That's just funny. You're like, I will never pay forty dollars. Well, except for Crisis. No, I Core, said forty dollars for a DS for. game. I never said PSP. 
Eh, I still say you're pretty much pwned. Okay, fine. If that makes you feel better. I own myself. It does. It makes me feel quite well, actually. Okay, good. Well, since this podcast really isn't going anywhere, I think we should wrap things up here. Wrap it up. Yep. I think you should do a wrap. A game no, access wrap, wrap right now. We've been kind of rambling on for almost 50 minutes here. Most people probably, like, stop listening, or they're just, like, um, zombies or uh, drug addicks, for that matter. I can drop so some mad beats like, if you want. I can drop some mad beats if you can drop the mad rhymes. Nah, I don't bust the rhymes or bust the rhymes. Bust the rhymes? Whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. I think he died. I always remember there was this one video where he's, like, singing, and he... He's quickly swaying his head back and forth, like is he spreading closer cheese? and then further away from the camera. And I was always thinking, he looks like he like wants you to punch him in the face when he does that. I really wish he was it's spreading like, cheddar cheese. It would make my life a lot better. Cheddar cheese. Like if we ever make a game nexus video review of somebody doing something, they're going to be spreading cheddar cheese. That'd be awesome. Yes, and not that Velveeta shit that easily spreads. We're talking real hardcore. Aged sharp cheddar cheese. Yeah, I like I like the extra sharp stuff. That just stuff just tastes better, honestly. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan of cheddar cheese personally. I like I like Swiss cheese more, and I abhor. I like my American cheddar cheese. cheese so sharp that it could cut your throat open. I abhor American cheese. I hate it. I don't mind American cheese. I like it on like a hamburger. I only think I like it. Yeah, I can do it on a hamburger, or I can do it on like grilled cheese sandwiches. But I can't eat, like, American cheese, like, take it out of the wrapper and just eat it. You know if you didn't have uh, American cheese on a grilled cheese sandwich, you j- it would just be two slices of bread? That's not true. You could use another type of cheese. I guess. But it, it's just one of those things. If you don't have cheese on a cheese sandwich, it's not a sandwich. It's just two pieces of bread. No sandwich? Bread? <laughs> Sandwich, a bread sandwich. You know what we should do on the Game Nexus reviews is we should both try to find like variations of obscure either drinks or soda or new soda or food products and eat them on the show and talk about how they taste because I find that would be very interesting to me. Yeah, we should do that on a, on one of, like, maybe the next podcast we'll find something weird maybe or we something should get and some, talk about it. Did you ever see the movie uh, Idiocracy? No. Well, they have this stuff called uh, Brondo, the Thirst Mutilator, and it's got electrolytes, and it's what plants crave. But uh, basically, in the movie, there was the drink of the future, because the premise of the movie is that the dumbest guy in on the Earth in present time gets transported 200 years in the future and he becomes the smartest person in the world 200 years later in the future because everyone's really stupid and the drink that everyone drinks is Brondo and no one drinks water anymore and no one and everyone's dying because there's no more food because they water everything with Brondo they don't water plants with water huh it's really funny and they actually make the stuff called Brondo the thirst mutilator in a Official Xbox magazine, they say it doesn't taste too good. It leaves the disgusting aftertaste. Uh, well, I guess we'd have to try it, because I think taste is something that's subjective. Be- yeah. I don't know if you've tried the new uh, Gatorade Tiger, but I think Tiger I don't Woods... really drink much Gatorade, because it simply doesn't have enough flavor in it. The new Tiger Woods Gatorade 
I think Tiger Woods bought the old Mondo factory because it tastes like Mondo, like exactly like how Mondo used to taste. Is it big on taste? Yes, it is big on taste. Is it in your face? Yes. And Gatorade G2. Mondo, Mondo. Gatorade G2 tastes like sugar-free Mondo. Sugar-free Mondo. Because it's like... What that tastes like? You know how sometimes when you drink sugar-free things, it kind of tastes like the original thing, but it's missing a little certain something, but you don't know quite what it is? No. Okay. I've tasted a lot of sugar-free things that in fact taste better than the original thing, because they don't have all that, that sugary, sticky taste to them. Hmm. See, once again... It's all subjective. Yep. And well, since we just rambled on for about ten minutes about drinks and foods, want to wrap this up now? Uh, I guess. I should go get make a sandwich wrap, though. I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> sandwich wrap. Want to do some plugs? Plugs? Yeah, Air do plugs? some plugs that you want to do. Alright. Alright, plugs. Go visit Game Master 14's YouTube page. Download our freaking podcast next week, or whenever the hell we do this again. It might be six months. It could be next week. It could be two weeks. It could be three days. No one knows. I also I also want to do a couple of plugs here. Of course, we had mentioned uh, Benjamin Heckendorn's site, which is benheck.com. I would like to also thank uh, Magnus. I'd also like to thank Magnus X1. He actually uh, plugged me on one of his videos telling everyone that my stuff was cool. Then, like, a few other people came and they're like, oh, wow, this guy does some cool stuff. So I'd like to very much thank him for that. Of course, Zero Punctuation, which is on theescapistmagazine.com. Go check that out. Check out Yankee if you haven't already. Yahtzee. Why do I call him Yankee? I always think Yankee. I don't know. Yahtzee Croshaw. you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, also visit uh, CheapAssGamer.com Listen to the CAGcast Listen to CAG4Play And uh, listen to my other podcast Called the GGTCast Just uh, Google search GGTCast It's only got five episodes But all five episodes are fuck all awesome And you should probably listen to them Because you can listen to me and other pointless people random Ramble on about other pointless shit That no one really cares about of course, everything we just plugged, I'll leave links for in the actual Game Nexus podcast uh, site, which of course is uh, gamenexus.blogspot.com. Yes. But you already know that because you actually went there to get this podcast. Yes, and I'm going to actually leave podcast link in my signature for CAG, but whatever, that's not part of the important part. The important part Alrighty. is that Neo Gaff needs to get on their fucking asses and activate my account because I've been waiting a year for my account to get activated at Neo Gaff. Sounds good. Yep, alright. Later,